like to uh, invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4. Dr. Kober gave me a uh, booklet of stamps that featured lighthouses of Germany. And I've shown a lot of lighthouses from Germany, but this is one that I hadn't. And uh, so I'll probably be concentrating on Germany for a while with my lighthouses. Um, you might have noticed that, that Debbie's not here this morning. She's not sick. Uh, she's in Iowa at Kimberly's. Um, Kimberly needed help because she was putting on a, a thing for some ladies uh, from a sister church that were coming to observe her lavender operation. And she uh, wanted her mother's help. Uh, they had, yesterday it was, 25 ladies. They uh, were thrilled about the operation that she has, and, and uh, Debbie fixed some of her chicken noodle soup for them all, and, and uh, they had a, had a great time. Um, in prior to going, they looked for some uh, tickets, and my goodness, a ticket from Kalispell to Des Moines was $270, and... and I've never seen it that cheap at all. Uh, may not be that way everywhere. I, Dr. Cobra flew in here for quite a bit more than that, but he flew United, and um, she was on, on Delta. But anyway, um, that's where Debbie's at. She'll be there um, through the first part. She's going to be out there for election. Um, hopefully she'll make it home, right? Uh, we voted already, so no problem that way. Uh, I have decided that uh, to continue examining passages which apply to, I guess, what I've got going here is a series, a mini-series. Uh, it started out by being entitled, Fear Not, uh, best summarized by God's words to Moses, be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor, nor be afraid, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And, of course, uh, those words or similar words are found throughout God's word to God's people. And uh, with all this going on, I, the Lord laid upon my heart to deal with this topic. And it's, um, I'm a long ways away from exhausting the passage that deals with it. Um, seems like it has been a long time since we've met. Uh, you know, Dr. Kober was here just last week, so it was two weeks ago that I dealt with this topic. But my goodness, when you got five messages uh, in a conference squeezed in between, why it just seemed like a long time uh, since my last message. Um, if you remember, just quickly by way of review, we looked at the crux of fear. There is a motivating fear, which is a good fear. Fear is an emotion given to us by the Lord. And, of course, the positive uh, fear is the fear of the Lord. Uh, that will motivate us into desiring to please the Lord and, and obey the Lord. But there's also manipulating fear, and that's the fear that we need to, to stay away from. It is a negative fear. It paralyzes. It causes us to take choi make choices that we know are wrong. Um, and so that was the crux. The course, if you remember, the mind, it starts in the mind. That's the control center. It goes down into the heart, what we think is what we're going to desire. What we desire is what we're going to do. Maybe not necessarily desire, but what we think is what's going to go on in our heart, and ultimately it works its way out in our life. 
And of course, the uh, words I use that may be easier to remember is from the head to the heart to a habit. And we can have a sinful, stubborn habit of uh, having manipulating fear rather than having motivating fear. And uh, that was our default setting to just let fear overcome us and, and not do what we know we should do. And then we looked at the control for fear, if you remember, or the cure, excuse me, the cure. We need to take control of our thought life. That's where it starts. Take control of your thought life, then yield to God to be obedient. And the good feelings, if you remember, uh, will result. Feelings are a result of behavior. And then, of course, the, uh, the life that we live as it works itself out where the rubber meets the road, we just trust and obey for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The last time I examined two verses and the dynamic of those verses that, that play into this whole thing, 2 Timothy 1.7, if you remember, which says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We examined that. And then I linked with it what we see in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, which says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. And those verses needed to be looked at as we were dealing with this topic. Today, I would like to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and to focus kind of on that which causes fear, uh, troubles, uh, things which disturb us or agitate us, inconveniences, maybe it's just that. Some inconvenience, annoyances, difficulties, harassments, uh, distressing circumstances, uh, be it uh, a transmission going out, as Pastor Mark was talking about this morning, or a pandemic, or a lockdown, or whether I wear a mask or not wear a mask, or, or job loss, or riots, or, or weather, snowstorms, and things that are happening, fires, and hurricanes, and and presidential elections, uh, there's a lot of stuff that can disturb us that could be put under this heading of troubles. Physical sickness, when you're diagnosed with something or you, you live with something that, that is an ongoing thing. Financial pressures, family situations, difficult circumstances of life, uh, you name it. Um, that's what we're talking about here, the, the, the cause of uh, fear and is troubles. And I think, um, I don't believe that Philippians chapter 4 is going to be the only passage I look at yet. I, I don't know. I'm kind of taking this a week at a time. I don't know just how it's going to be. But um, as we continue to deal with this topic, I've entitled this today, uh, Truth for Times of Trouble. And as we come to this passage, we're going to cover five things that I see here. There is preparation for trouble. There is the prevalence of trouble. There is the perspective that we ought to have for trouble. There is our protection in trouble that is seen here. And there is 
the power that we can have over trouble. So first of all, as we uh, come to verses 4 and 5, uh, let me direct our attention to what I've subheaded the, the preparation for trouble, to put things in readiness, uh, to be ready for something, whatever might come. Well, what does it say in verse 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Um, what, is a, what are we being commanded to do here? You know, you look at Greek and, and to rejoice, uh, it says to rejoice. You know, and, and what good does that do us if you use the same word to define the word? Um, that's what it means, rejoicing in salutations. or uh, Webster, I always check the English too, and Webster's got it wrong. Webster says to feel joy or gladness. That's wrong. That's wrong. What we have here is a command that has to do with what comes out of our mouth, not feelings. Certainly, joy is a part of it, but rejoicing is to express joy or gladness. This is a command. We are never commanded to feel. You know, as I have said that over the years, often, um, I don't know if you remember Rod Everding. Um, he says, no, that's, we're, we're commanded to feel. I said, well, show me. Show me, and I'll say that to you. Show me where we're commanded to feel, and this was one of the passages that he pointed to. And, of course, by Webster's definition, I guess that would be a command, but we're talking about a command to, to, to control what comes out of our mouth. And, of course, we have other commands that are similar. If you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter uh, 4, as we deal there in Ephesians chapter 4 with the putting on and putting off process, the way to conquer a sinful, stubborn habit is to not only recognize the sinful behavior for what it is and, and to confess the sinful behavior for, for what it is, but then to forsake it and replace it. And, and we see this dynamic in, in chapter 4 of Ephesians. It runs through it. Uh, I only want to look at verse 29 where it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's a command for us as God's people. Corrupt communication. We're not talking about just foul language. That's included, profanity. But things that are not becoming of the Lord or our relationship with him or for what we have in Christ. And there's a whole list of ugly stuff, whispering and gossip and backbite and, and hurtful words. And, and it's kind of like it says, if you would turn with me over to, pro well, I didn't finish that before you turn there. I'll let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Sometimes we have a, a sinful habit of hurling daggers out of our mouth. Well, if you got that sinful habit and that's your default setting of, of what's coming out of your mouth, well, you need to recognize it for the sin that it is, confess it for the sin that it is, and then replace it. Not just biting your tongue, you know, it's one thing to bite your tongue and not let it go out there, but it's another thing to, to replace it with something that will minister to others. And I think that's what we see here with regards to the, 
to the command to rejoice. Express the joy that is in your heart or that should be in our heart. Maybe there's no joy down there. That might be why some people just grumble and complain all the time. I don't know. Over in, in um, Proverbs chapter 18, we see another situation uh, very similar. And I've been dealing with Proverbs in uh, Wednesday night, looking at the various subjects and words, certainly is one of the subject matters out of the book of Proverbs. That's the only way you can really study Proverbs. I mean, it's beneficial to read a proverb a day, 31 days, uh, 31 chapters in a month, and, and a different proverb every day over and over and over again. But, but the topics are scattered throughout, and, and one of the words... Uh, or verses or proverbs with regards to words is in chapter 18 verse 21 of the book of proverbs it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof death and life not being literal death and literal life but figurative use of it as in many places in the book of Proverbs, as qualities of life. That old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Uh, words can hurt. Words do hurt. Words can spread death or life being fellowship with God and what that is about. Words that would minister grace unto the hearers or words that that hurt and, and cut and are like a sword or like a fire, as James puts it, and also the book of Proverbs puts it. So as we think of preparation for troubles, getting back to our text over in Philippians chapter uh, 4, it says to rejoice or to express joy or gladness. Um, and it's, it says it twice. And that kind of emphasizes the importance of it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. An expression of joy or happiness. Well, you say, well, how can I have joy? Well, <laughs> Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, happiness. How can I have how can I have happiness? Well, Jesus said to his disciples over in John chapter 13, he says, uh, as they didn't stoop themselves to wash their feet there in the upper room, Jesus girded himself with a towel, took a basin of water and washed his disciples' feet. And he says, you know what I'm doing here? I'm showing you how to behave in this life. Uh, the Lord is... Uh, the servant is not greater than the Lord, but I have set an example, and happy is the man, he says, that follows this example that I am setting. In other words, happiness comes in doing right, in, in lowering ourselves, not worrying about getting a pat on the back. Joy and happiness and good feelings of peace and those kind of things are a result of actions. And that's how you have joy, and we ought to express it. We need to rejoice. That is the preparation that we need to have for trouble. He goes on in verse 5, and he says, Let your moderation 
be known unto man. Moderation, that's uh, your forbearance, uh, your gentleness, not like a bull in a china closet, your mild manner, being equitable or reasonable or, or uh, partial, uh, impartial, I guess I should say. Uh, let your moderation be known to all men, the, not just at church, but to everywhere you go. Be reasonable. Be gentle. Um, for the Lord is at hand. And of course, that has kind of a, a, a dual fulfillment. And we've just uh, had our prophecy conference and realized that this is uh, a statement with regards to the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He promised he would come again, and it's been imminent uh, all throughout the church age. And, and Paul's saying it right here. The Lord is at hand. He could come while we're serving him right here today. He could. But the second application is he's here today, whether we have the rapture or not. He's with us. He understands. He knows. He sees how we respond and how we act. The Lord is at hand. So that's the preparation that we see here uh, to rejoice. Uh, that's good preparation for us to uh, do what it is that the Lord would have us to do uh, and to face the troubles that come in this life, to just be rejoicing expressing the, the peace and the love and the joy that God has given you. Well, let's go on to point number two, the prevalence. The prevalence of trouble. Verse six, it's kind of um, insinuated here. Um, the prevalence or it occurring often. And that's probably an understatement when you're talking about troubles and trials. Occurring often. Uh, be careful for nothing, it says in verse 6, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And at this point, as I think about the prevalence of troubles, that they are uh, uh, there, occur often, uh, I'm considering the word everything, in everything, insinuated, not expressly taught here, but it certainly is taught in other places. Uh, turn with me to John chapter 16, where we need to realize that troubles are part of this life. You don't present Christ to someone and then follow up when they receive Christ that everything's going to be rosy now. Well, no, the troubles continue, but, uh, you know, once we know Christ is our Savior, we have a way to deal with the troubles. Um, in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Now, this is Christ's last evening. This is part of that upper room discourse, started in chapter 13, and goes clear into chapter 17 here. So his last evening, he says, I want, I'm telling you these things, so that you have peace. And then something that seems like just the opposite. In the world you shall have tribulation. How do those two things make sense? Uh, I want you to have peace, but know that in this world you're going to have tribulations. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And, of course, that's how it is that that can be. But he is telling them, and he's told them in many other ways, 
Uh, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. Turn with me over to Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, uh, covered just recently in, the, in Bruce's Sunday school class. Uh, in the midst of the perilous times of these last days, and, and a description of, of the day that we live, Second Timothy chapter 3, he says, uh, he's talking about the thing that, things that he has gone through in verse 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me, and, and the persecutions that he endured. And then he says in verse 12, that's where I'm going here, uh, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. My friends, we need to um, realize that troubles are part of this life. The prevalence of trials uh, is all about us. We're never going to escape troubles. You may have two or three different troubles that you're facing right here, right now, or more. But uh, God gives us these instructions so that we can know, uh, first of all, preparation. Secondly, to realize the prevalence of them. Let's go on to the third point here, the perspective for trouble. Uh, there in verse 6, the manner, if you go back now with me to Philippians 4, as I bounce back and forth, Philippians 4 and verse 6, the perspective or the manner in which I view troubles. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And at this point, I am going to emphasize thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. I just emphasized everything and everything, pointing out the prevalence, but here the perspective with thanksgiving. What does it say over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. You probably don't even need to turn there. I'm going to. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, in the concluding verses of uh, 1 Thessalonians, we see that Paul gives what I call rapid fire commands. 20 uh, verses 12 through 22, there's 17 of them, and, and one of them is in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, even the troubles, and key to having a proper perspective of troubles is to give thanks. You know, if, if you give thanks for something, it is kind of yielding up your own rights to say, well, Lord, I don't like it, or to protest. If you give thanks, and of course, if you understand what trials will do and, and the, the reason he allows troubles and the promises that you can claim as you go through troubles and trials, uh, you can be thankful. Well, Lord, I'm not sure just exactly what it is you're doing, but I need some help here. Thank you. With thanksgiving. James chapter 1 and verse 2, you don't need to turn there. It says, my brethren, as James does, he jumped right into it. Verse 2, he's got one verse that's devoted to his greetings. And then he just says in, in chapter 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various 
trials or temptations. Count it all joy. That's a mindset. That's taking control of our thoughts. Not looking at it in a, in a negative way, but in a positive way. And he goes on to explain there in James the, the way we can count it all joy. Uh, and, of course, over there we just read John 16, verse 33. Um, but be of good cheer. But be of good cheer. Uh, seems like contrasting statements that are being said in John 16:33. But of course, they, the the thrust of that be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And that brings me to the next point, and that is the protection in trouble that we have. It says in verse six and seven, we come to that again. Be careful for nothing. The word careful, the Greek word careful there, um, is, is much stronger in its meaning than what we think of being careful. You tell your kids to be careful. Uh, we all need to be careful. And we need to take care of things. Uh, but that's not what this, is, this Greek word means. It means to be anxious or to be troubled with care, to worry or to fret. Or to stew about something and to get upset about it. Uh, Don't do that. Rather, the protection that we have, pray. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. My friends, uh, you can make your request known to God. You can tell him just exactly what it is. Uh, that you would like to see here. Lord, I may not understand why I'm going through this, but I need your help. And you can be certain that, that he will because he sought the psalmist upon many occasions needed his help and he came to the conclusion in Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. He had plenty of trouble. Anybody has trouble. Um, but you, your protection is rather than getting upset about it and being anxious and fretting and worrying and, and letting it get you down is to pray about it with thanksgiving. Now, keep that in mind. Underscore that. You can just say, well, Lord, I don't like this and, and uh, uh, please relieve some of the pressure that's going on here. But if you leave out with thanksgiving, if you thank the Lord for what it is you're going through, that changes. That changes your mindset with regards to it. Realizing that you're just being obedient to the Lord. He commands that we give thanks in all things. Not just the fun things and the good things. But even the troubles. And we make our requests known. And of course as we do that we realize God's will is is the bottom line here. He might uh, want us to go through that time rather than relieving us from that time. And of course there's passages of scripture that talk about that. You know there is no temptation or trials that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will with the temptation. God is faithful is in there too. And the faithfulness of God is what we pin our hope on, my friends, because God keeps his promises. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Uh, he'll not tempt us above what we're able, and he'll make a way of escape. Um, let your request be made known that 
my friends, is the protection that we have. Lord, I want your will. Verse 7 will be the result. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, my friends, the peace of God, which does pass all understanding, is, is that which you can have peace, you can rejoice in the Lord in all things. And when you express that joy that is in your heart and the peace that you have, even when you're going through the times of trial and, 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 and severe trouble, uh, is, a, is a very powerful thing. It passeth understanding. It probably is one of the most effective ways to, to challenge somebody with regards to your relationship with Christ. You don't have to tell them they're a sinner and, and stand in need of a Savior, and you might get to that place. But if they see peace in the midst of trials and troubles, uh, it's going to draw them because the world doesn't have that peace. And they don't have any solution to the trials that they go through other than just hunkering down and, and bearing it or drinking or drugs or whatever it might be, beating on somebody. The peace of God, different than the peace of God. The peace of God means harmony and relationships. And we get the peace of God, as it says in Romans 5, 1, by faith. When you trust Christ as Savior, uh, the, re the relationship, your enemies, you're reconciled. You are at peace in your relationship with God. The peace of God goes above and beyond that, my friends. The peace of God comes by doing just what it says here, and this is the protection that we have. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Keep, the Greek word of keep there is a military type word. It means to guard or to protect with a military guard. It's kind of like to, to put the troops around the city to prevent a hostile invasion. That's what it means. Shall keep your hearts and minds. That's the stuff that we're talking about here in this. The course of fear starts in the mind and, and works its way down into our heart, that, that manipulating fear. But so doesn't the motivating fear. As we fear the Lord and, and want to please the Lord and, and it works its way down into our hearts. Well, it'll guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, I've looked at this. Probably every message that I've, that I've have, uh, preached on this topic, fear not. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Ten, it just stresses this whole thing. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, and we can thank the Lord for that. If we were out there trying to defeat the, the enemy in our flesh, we, we'd be sifted like wheat. And that's what happens when we do that. Just ask Peter. Casting down imaginations, verse Five and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. My friends, take control of your thoughts. Take control of your thought life. Our thoughts 
ought to be that which would be becoming of the Lord and, and yielded to him. Rather than, as I have said, uh, worried about the past. Concerned about what's going to happen in the present and, and, and the future. Well, think about the past and the things the Lord has done for you in the past, if you need to think about the past. And with regards to the present, see the promises that he has given us and stand on those promises, rehearse those promises and stand on them and believe them and obey them. And then with regards to the future, my friends, we don't know what a day might bring, but we know the day's pretty secure in the Lord no matter what happens with regards to the future. So uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I put this down here. We don't have time to, to look at it. Um, but it says basically the same thing, the armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the, wild, against the enemy. And each piece of that armor has something to do with the word of God, to be in the word of God, to, to use the word of God, to, to believe the word of God, to protect yourself with the word of God. And, of course, he, t- he says the verse I would like to mention, above all, taking the shield of faith. That big shield that's out in front of you, the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Raise that shield up. You drop it down just a little bit and and you can be certain there will be an incoming fiery dart. And um, so we see here that uh, the protection that we have, uh, the last point, the power over trouble, verse 8 and 9, back into our text again here, Philippians, as I keep bouncing back and forth. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, the power over trouble. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report... If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I think you could flip that around and say, uh, if you don't think on those things, there's not going to be any praise, there's not going to be any virtue, there's not going to be any good thing happen. If we think of the worst and we think of the things that we don't like and, and what we don't like about them and, and start rehearsing that stuff, and of course this is, this is saying the same thing about our minds. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Take control of your thoughts. Think of the good stuff. Think of the promises of God. Think of what he's done and, and what he will continue to do for all eternity. And then he says in verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Uh, in other words, go over it all. Go over it all, all those things that you've heard of me and that I've taught. And, of course, he's talking about these exceeding great and precious promises that are able to give us all that we need for life and godliness, according to what Peter says in 2 Peter 1. Those exceeding great and precious promises. Think on those things. In other words, adjust your thought life here. And do... (laughs) It's one thing to think about them. It's another thing to do to stand on that promise. And the God of peace shall be with you. We're talking about the peace of God. 
from the God of peace. Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 9 ought to be a default setting. It ought to be a passage of scripture that, that we have committed to memory. Or at least the thoughts of it. So that when we do let down that shield of faith a little bit and Satan strikes with a fiery dart, we can quickly get back where we need to be in light of the truth. Because I'm here to tell you, um, trials are going to happen. We need to be prepared for them by rejoicing. We need to have a proper perspective a mindset. We need to realize our protection in trouble and the power that we have over it uh, is seen very clearly in these verses. Father, we thank you so much for your word and thank you for the privilege of looking at it again today in light of, of this topic of, of fear and the trials and the troubles that we go through. Thank you, Father, that you've explained everything we need to know in your word about it and I pray that you would help us to to just heed these things and, and be obedient to these things. Because uh, we don't know what a day might bring. Who knows uh, what lies beyond uh, November 3rd or even tomorrow or this afternoon, Father. None of us know. We're all just a heartbeat away from death. And I pray that you would comfort us with these things and help us to be guarded about with that peace, that passive understanding, um, no matter what's going on in our life. And I pray that if there's someone here that that is troubled uh, and is concerned and, and agitated about something, Father, that they would apply the, these truths and, and claim the victory that you offer through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be sure to thank you for it, pray in Jesus' name. Amen.